pretty good the second year uh, when they came out to our place. I'll tell you the history there. It goes deeper than Nebraska because, you know, the the Big Eight was the one conference that UCLA had struggled with, whether it was Nebraska, Oklahoma. And the year before, my my freshman year, we played Oklahoma. Uh, Very first college game, man. I I was relaying the story because I watched Harding beat College School of the Mines, School of Mines uh, this past weekend with the triple option. And the kid wasn't Jamel Holloway, but – he he was really really good, uh, Cole Keelan, with his ability to ball handle and and get the ball out at the right time, make the right decisions. But yeah, my freshman year, I'm playing and I play, you know, I play probably 15, 20 snaps, so I got a good amount of time. I didn't catch any passes, but Jamel Holloway was magical with the football. Bill, I had never seen anybody that I didn't know where the ball was uh, most of the time. There were a few, you know, so I just started. Every offensive series they had, I would just start watching to see how many times I could tell on the sideline what he was getting ready to do, and I couldn't. I had never seen anybody, that, and I had grown up watching option quarterbacks, guys that could play, and guys that were deaf with getting rid of the football, pulling it back. Jamel Holloway was awesome. So the next year we played Stevie Taylor in Nebraska, and we, we, we did pretty well early on, and they got, got it going, they beat us. 42 to 33, something like that. And I just, I can remember the summer between my sophomore and junior year when we were playing Nebraska at home. I said, I'm going to go home. I'm going to hear Broderick Thomas and a couple of other guys I knew that were in Nebraska. They were going to be talking cold cash ish. So I said, we cannot come back again and let them beat us. And sure enough, we were at home. We'd all work out in the summer, whether it was Broderick or, you know, a bunch of guys from the area because we all lived in, you know, neighborhoods that we grew up playing ball together and so i knew broderick i knew quite a few of the nebraska guys and i just told them that ain't gonna happen this year and sure enough i got us going early we first play first drive of the series i, I scored like a 57 yard touchdown and i and i was like i was determined reggie moore and i both from houston were determined not to go back home again with another loss to any big a school especially not nebraska I bring it up because the Dylan Rayola theory has been confirmed. He took that visit to Nebraska, and he's committed to them. And Matt Rule, I know a guy that you and I both like, that's a big national selling moment for him that he can sell recruits and the future to. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, listen, Matt hadn't had as much success as, as he had when he was at Baylor. And then when he moved to the, you know, the Panthers, of course, but, but hell, I think the Panthers might be looking back and maybe he was better than what we had. So I don't know. Um, and, you know, you know, and I think sometimes the shine comes off. Nebraska's going to be, it's been a hard place to get the success that they had before. They're one of those schools that did it a lot of different ways. They had local guys that would stay and they had a great feeder system coming from California, Jersey, and Texas. Some of that has dried up, and now I think they need to get back to that. And, it, and when you get a big-time recruit like this, it gives you that cachet. My only concern in the, in the NIL and travel port, uh, transfer portal days is can they keep them? Can your collective do everything it can to make sure guys are happy? Because what we're seeing now, that's not always the case. And so, you know, having having a legacy kid is great, but then can your – collective continue to do the job to make him feel comfortable and not want to go anywhere else. 
I was going to say, if Warren Buffett wants to chip in, you can keep him. <laughs> Bill, 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 my man. Um, yeah, Warren Buffett. You, you know, I, I'm still amazed that people don't understand the Berkshire Hathaway, uh, you know, uh, contingent. And that's that's the best collective you could have, right? If you have A shares, you're a very wealthy man. If you have the B shares of the Berkshire Hathaway, you're not doing bad. So go check those out. And most people on this call probably know that. But, yeah, I mean, he makes it easy, right? He He's the one that can just say, hey, this is what I want you to do. When you got – you know, it's interesting with Buff, Buffett. When you have LeBron James and other high-level sports guys going and just trying to learn from the Oracle of Nebraska, you might as well take advantage of it if you're if you're the University of Nebraska and, and get him involved any way, shape, or form because that's, a, that's, a, that's even a big, bigger recruiting win than, than anything you get from a player. Now, Georgia got news, Carson Beck staying. That's fantastic news. They don't need Dylan Rayola to come in there and be the quarterback anyways, and then they've recruited. Mm-hmm. They've got Gunnar Stockton. They've got another big-name recruit that's already there. They're fine, but let me flip this and maybe not trying to be negative, but just ask you as a former player all the way up and a coach – and an analyst on TV and radio, Dylan Rayola, in high school, played in Texas, then moved to Arizona, then moved to Georgia. During mm-hmm. that process, he committed to Ohio State and Georgia, flirted with Nebraska, flirted with Southern Cal, I do believe. Mm-hmm. Again, moved to Buford, Georgia, Buck, to be close because that's where he's going. He committed verbally to them. And now he's back to where his dad played and his uncle's the offensive line coach. Are there flags there that are of a concern? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I don't know if there are flags in this day and age. Bill. I, th- I think you have to look at it and say, how can we continue to keep this, this young man happy? I mean, you got to have a hell of a quarterback coach. You got to have guys around them that understand, and your collective better be strong. And maybe it's the uncle that's the, the old line coach that doesn't hurt you, right? Right. Maybe it's your dad having that, you know, that 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 understanding of the the, the place that he grew up, and maybe ultimately that's going to be his best option. Um, you know, they talk about him being a real student of the game, and maybe now that all the recruiting is off. And he hasn't had to move from four different high schools and have you know different commitments. Maybe this is the one. But I would say this: you, if you're Nebraska and you're Matt Rule, you better make sure you have everything in place. So if he does get homesick or he doesn't have a great practice, and you have to have some some real critical conversations with him about how he can play better, not negative, but just hey, this is what's going to help you get better. You better make sure you you understand where his headspace is. And I think that's the part to me when I watch how coaches coach quarterbacks in particular now because they can talk about everybody else transferring, but the quarterbacks really have all the cachet. They have all they have everything now. They have the they have the, the chips on their, their side because if things don't go well for them, they can move and say, Hey, this is not working for me. And they are moving at at a, a, a outrageous rate. But that's the way the system is set up. So for Dominique Rayola and Matt Rule, there has to be a real strong connection of understanding, hey, I'm going to coach you. I'm going to get you in the best possible position, but we're going to do it, and, and I want you here for the duration and not looking at other places when you get here. 
We mentioned Carson Beck, Buck, announcing he's sticking around another year at Georgia. How big is that? I think that's really big um, because they, they have the consistency of quarterback that they had from Stetson Bennett. Now Carson Beck, who I thought got a lot better as the season went on, was he perfect? No. But, but the young man I thought played really well and to do it without one of his key components, Brock Bowers, the John Mackey Award winner, I, I think – he just showed what he could do. Now, the thing with Georgia, it's not so much that I worry about or look at Carson Beck. What kind of weapons are you going to get in there to come in to play with him? Because Georgia over the last few years hasn't had great wideout play. George Pickens, you can, you can name them, right? But they haven't had, like, the guys that we look over at, at Bama and say, ooh, first-round pick, first-round pick, second-round pick. You know, you can just start. If you start naming names, you'll be like, oh, wow. So if Georgia can get that same kind of consistency and productivity out of their wide receiver room, maybe they have those guys, but they just haven't done it. I think that's only going to elevate Carson Beck, and I think that's going to make him a better player. And having him another year was probably one of the best recruiting jobs to me that Kirby could do and his staff. Buck, you played tight end all the way up to the highest level, number 19 at Georgia. How will he be utilized on Sundays? Man, he, he will be I, – I, this is what I always worry about. Um, I don't play fantasy football, but when I tell people about how you have to have the right quarterback to throw to the tight end or the receiver, you look at the kid Lively with um, the Ravens now. He was great. Isaiah Lively, he was great in college. Had to wait his turn because they have Mark Andrews. And now, look, Lamar loves throwing to the tight end. I look forward to him – Brock Bowers getting to a place where the offensive coordinator does not say my system does this, but no, Brock Bowers allows my system to let me do this. And let me repeat this. I don't care how good a coach you are. If you have dudes that can make plays, i.e. Sam Laporta uh, now at, at, and Dan Campbell's a former tight end. So he knows this big joker right here. Let me get him all over the place. Jared Goff loves throwing the tight ends. Get them to a place where they can make plays. Patrick Mahomes, who's his favorite security blanket? Travis Kelsey. Anytime you look across the league, my boy Troy Aikman, when he got to the it was me in college, it was Keith Jackson before he got to me, and then it was uh, Jay Novacek. Anytime a quarterback will tell you, that's the easiest throw I can make, and I can just make a living off of it. So if, you, if Brock Bowers gets to the right location and place, and the offensive coordinator and the quarterback are smart, and I don't mean book smart. I mean just get out on the field and you turn and go 10 yards and hit them right in the middle of the field, you're going to make a living off of it. And I think this is the, the real key when really good coaches understand it ain't about the system, but it's about letting your players make your system look good for you, then Brock Bowers can be, uh, he can be a dominant player because you're seeing the, the evolution of the tight end come back again the way it's, you know, we always had guys that could make plays, but now every team is looking for a big 6'3", 6'4", 6'5", 240, 250-pound guy. That's a matchup problem, and that's what Brock Bowers is going to be. As athletic as Travis Kelsey is, I think Brock Bowers is just as athletic. As fast as Kelsey is, I think Brock Bowers is. Kelsey may be a little bit better route runner right now, but Brock Bowers is a bad boy, and we're going to see that at this next level if he goes to the right place that allows that to, to prosper. 
And you went kind of like basketball. Sometimes a coach will say, don't yes. tell me he's a four or a three. He's just a ball player, right? He's just a, yes. He scores the yes. ball. Is that kind of what he is, a hybrid tight end receiver? Yes, because I'll say this, Bill. He's, be- he's a better blocker than I think people give him credit for. Very willing. Georgia. Very willing. Yeah, he's very willing. Very willing blocker. But I think also what he does is you're right about the basketball playing. You know, how do you attack the ball? How do you get inside? How do you use your body? And then when you put a cornerback on him, that's a mismatch because a corner is not big enough. He's fast, he's quick, but he can't get around the big guy with long arms. And if it's a linebacker, that's a mismatch. If I have a linebacker covering me even now with my bad knees and bad quad, I still feel like I should beat this guy. And I'll tell the old, old linebackers that. So that's the thing. And then if it's a safety Man, he ain't comfortable. That's a fish out of water. Unless it's a guy like Carnell Lake, he played cornerback and he played safety, so he's he's more adapted at covering. But even him, they struggle because it's just a big body that you have to move around. So I, I agree with you. Don't tell me, you know, we don't know how to use him if he's an inline or a flex guy. You better use him because he can get you 60 as a rookie easy, maybe 70 just because of his ability to play the game. And that, and that, and I, I can see that just from the guys that have come out since before him and how he's going to project. And if he stays healthy, it's going to be a matchup problem every single week with him. Buck, maybe a minute, minute and a half. And you know this guy, a lot of theorizing that after these playoffs are over, Harbaugh's gone. Yeah, he's out, Bill. I don't you know why so? they keep saying he's going he's to sign an extension. He's going to the league. He, I, I, I would find it hard for him to stay another year and have to deal or another two years, however long the extension is, with them. The NCAA has basically told him, Jim, you need to go back and try to beat your brother in the Super Bowl or something because what you're doing here, we, we, we're on to it. Or we, even if we're not, we're just not going to let you feel the comfort level that you can. Now, I will say this. This might be Michigan's best chance to beat Alabama, but it doesn't mean they're going to beat Alabama, right? J.J. McCarthy has to play out his mind, and they and losing that offensive lineman, I can't remember his name right now, that hurts them because that's their game. They were physical enough to beat Bama maybe up front with that guy. Now I don't know. So I'm really looking forward to it, and, and I may be at the Rose Bowl just because I want to see Alabama and Michigan play because I think that's going to be a really good game. I was talking about it yesterday. I just don't know that Michigan, at, on offense, out in space, has green grass athletes that scare Alabama. And, Bill, you, you called it, too. I mean, the thing is, when you're going to beat Alabama, you got to be like Texas, right? Monsters in the middle that can play offense and defense and dudes that can go. We know Texas got them, right? Yeah. I don't know if, that, if, if Michigan has them. And so Bama's playing some of their best football – it's going to be hard to beat them. It's going to be hard to beat them. And people get upset when I say if they beat Michigan, they win it all. And I, and I hope Texas shows up or Washington, but I just think Bama's got everybody where they want them right now, unfortunately, if you're not a Bama fan. Buck, Merry Christmas. We'll see you next uh, Tuesday. All right, man. Y'all have a good one. Thank you. Does that buckle. Some Notre Dame news. Yes, some Notre Dame players. Confetti. I think confetti's coming from the sky on this one. Coming right back. Omni Nashville Hotel. Little tease there. <laughs> 